Hey, everybody. I hope you know some, someone's major. Um, never did I picture myself transitioning out of a pie-eating contest to teach the Bible, so possibly one of the more challenging transitions I will ever have in my life. Um, that was sickening to watch. I don't know if you thought that. Um, Levi, very impressive. So enjoy whatever the aftermath of that looks like. <laughs> um, well, tonight is going to be a lot shorter than you guys are used to. We're kind of racing the sunset and would like you guys to be able to, uh, to see on your way out. And so, um, it, like I said, it'll be a little shorter than, we, than we're used to, but we're going to continue where we left off last week, and I'll, I'll, I'll start with um, this story. So a few years, a few years ago, um, some friends of mine and myself, we decided that we wanted to hike Mount Yona. How many of you have hiked Mount Yona before? Okay, yeah, somebody's really excited about that. Um, so Mount Yona, uh, if you've, those of you who have hiked it before know this. Those of you who don't, I'll kind of fill you in. So um, about halfway up, there's a decent view. All the way at the top, there is a beautiful view. Well, we set out to hike Mount Yona, and most of us in our group had never hiked Mount Yona before. And um, I was one of those people who had never hiked it before. There was, however, one guy who, who said, hey, don't worry, trust me. Um, I know the way. I'll show you the way. Just follow me, and we'll hike Mount Yona together. Awesome. So we follow this guy. We get to that halfway point, and just, you know, pretty much to simply explain it to you, there was, you get to that halfway point, and there's a left or there's a right. And he said, right is the right way, and so we follow him up to the right. Well, uh, as we're following him, we start to notice that the trail uh, was getting steeper and steeper and steeper, almost to the point that, like, we weren't walking anymore. We were climbing, and so we asked this guy, like, hey, man, are you sure? Like, is this what you remember the last few times that you've hiked Mount Yona? And it was like, as he said that, Well, we asked him that, and he, like, didn't have time to get the words out of his mouth. And the bottom fell out as he goes, no, actually, I don't quite remember that, uh, this this part of the hike. Bottom fell out, torrential downpour, entire, you know, like, mountain, everything just gets drenched. We were able to kind of sneak over to this little rock overhang and stay dry, our group. And so uh, we had a decision to make after that rainstorm passed. We could either, A... Um, try to go back down the mountain since we knew we were no longer on the trail, just kind of figuring out uh, how to get to the top of the mountain ourselves, or we could keep on going. Well, we made the decision that it would be unsafe to go back down the mountain because of how steep it was, and now everything's soaked. So we just decided we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing. Well, as we keep on, as we keep on going, uh, what we thought was really steep on our way there turned out to be um, pretty mild compared to what was ahead of us because we ended up scaling like these big rock faces. I'm pretty sure I saved someone's life that day, but that's a different story for a different time. Like it was crazy. But we finally made it to the top of the mountain and man, breathtaking view. That storm that rained on us, we got to see that out in the distance. There was this huge rainbow, beautiful sunset, absolutely incredible. Now, it's time to go back down the mountain. Well, here's the problem. Because we didn't go up the right way, we don't know the right way down. And the sun is setting, and it's getting pretty dark. And so we did, you know, it's pretty simple. It's like follow the trail, right? We know two things. One, we're sticking to a trail. Uh, we're, we're not going off on our own. And two, we know we're not going to listen to the guy who got us in this situation in the first place. Those are kind of the two things we know. So we decide that we are going to uh, basically stay at, with the widest trail that we, can, that we can find. 
Whatever the widest trail that we can find is, that's the one that we're going to take down the mountain. And so uh, we pretty much proceed to do that. Here's the problem. As we're going down the mountain, that widest trail that we could find eventually turned into a paved road, which we thought was weird, but we're, you know, we're still going downhill, which means we're getting closer to the bottom of the mountain. So, you know, what's the big deal? We keep on walking, and about an hour later, we emerged from the wilderness next to a busy highway, and our cars were not there. Um, Matter of fact, um, we came down the mountain on the opposite side of the mountain that our cars were parked at. So now we are miles away from our cars. It is deep into the night, and we have no idea what to do. Uh, ended up, I had to call my friend, and he had to basically run like a shuttle service for an hour to get us from where, where our group was to our cars. But I remember getting down to the bottom of the mountain, and there were two questions going through my head. Those two questions were, one, how did we get here? And two, how do we get back? How did we get here, and how do we get back? Those questions are going to be really important for our short time together tonight. How did I get here, and how do I get back? Um, So if you're a note taker, you can write those two things down. How did I get here? How did I get back? Last week, we started a new sermon series, uh, and we we said we're spending three weeks looking at the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son. Now, you might be like, hang on, three weeks in the prodigal son in one story? That seems like a little bit of overkill. Well, kind of. Uh, But what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at this story from three different perspectives. Last week, we looked at it from the perspective of the father. This week, we're going to look at it really quickly through the perspective of the prodigal son, and then next week, back at uh, at Hogue Auditorium, same time, or 7 o'clock, same place, uh, we are going to look at it from the perspective of the older brother. So, week two of our prodigal series, and like I said, those questions are going to be really important tonight. How did I get here, and how do I get back? See, there comes a point in this story where the prodigal son gets to a low place. Um, He's empty. He's broken. He has nowhere else to turn. And those two questions were like ringing in his mind when he got to that place in life. How did I get here? And how do I get back? Maybe you found yourself at some point in life asking those questions. How did I get here? And how do I get back? How did I get here? Like maybe for you, uh, life was going great. Everything... You know, you, you were happy, everything uh, was going really well, but all of a sudden you get to college and now it's like you're fighting to keep your head above water. Always anxious, always worried, and, and you turn to all sorts of things that you never thought you would to cope with how difficult that life is. How did I get here? Maybe for you, it's, it's that you've, you, you're running from God. Like, you know that God is calling you towards something and you are running from it. And the, thing, the places that you've ran to are honestly pretty disgusting and pretty shameful. How did I get here? Uh, maybe for you, you, you know God, like you have a relationship with God. However, uh, you, you've started to wander and you've, you've honestly wandered really far to the point that you've done some things that you like never pictured yourself doing. How did I get here and how do I get back? Those are our two questions tonight. And so as we look at the story of the prodigal son, I want to show you that there are answers to both of those questions. Those same questions that the prodigal son asked, there are answers to those questions, and that's what we're going to answer together tonight. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, I'm going to read through uh, most of this story, and uh, then we'll talk a little bit about those questions. So Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says, and he said, this is Jesus talking, 
There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, he said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. That's the parable of the prodigal son. It's, it's most of it. And, um, you know, I, I think what we, what we see there as we read that story is you, you see this son. This son that has everything. Like literally he's got wealth. He's got a job, he, he, he's got provision, he's got an incredible family, he's got everything he could ever want. But he sees something that he wants more. And, and what he decides to do is he decides that he's going to trade his current life for something that looks like real life. He, he's going to trade everything he has for something that looks really life-giving, but what he finds when he gets that thing is that the thing that he thought would be life-giving actually is no life at all. And so he finds himself in this place, like a, a low place, a place that he never thought that he would be, a place where he's literally chased after everything that this world has to offer so heavily that he's found himself without any food, he's found himself without any money, and the only thing he knows to do is become a farmhand uh, to feed pigs. And he, the Bible says that literally he's so hungry that he's got nothing else to do except to just sit there and wish that he could eat what these pigs are eating. Like, that's a low place. How did I get here, and how did I get back? That's the question that this prodigal son is asking. And so the answer to that first question, how did I get here, Maybe a question that you've found yourself asking before in your life. I know it's certainly a question that I've found myself asking before in mine, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But if we're going to answer that question, how did I get here, the first thing that I want you to see is that nowhere in this story, nowhere in this story did the prodigal son ever like just wake up and decide today is the day that I'm going to send my life into utter ruin. Like he never did that. He, he never just sat up and was like, you know what, today I think I would like to be poor. I think I'd like to have nothing to eat. And I think I'd like to be a farmhand. That's not how it works. That's not how this story goes. Why? Because see, if we're going to answer this question, how did I get here? I think the first thing that we have to understand is that you don't get to a place like that in a moment. You get to a place like that by walking down a path. And so if we're going to answer that question, how did I get here? Maybe, you, again, you, maybe you've asked that in your own life. We have to reframe the way that we look at sin. 
we have to understand that sin is not just an isolated event that takes place in a moment, but sin is a step down a path. You guys, if you follow Christian culture at all, you know that like right now, unfortunately, it's really sad to see, but there's a lot of like Christian leaders that have fallen. Uh, maybe, you know, adultery, maybe uh, it's, you know, like some, some sort of substance abuse drives them away from their faith. But there's a lot of like Christian leaders who have fallen away from the faith. And each and every one of those circumstances, you look at them and there was not like a moment that, you know, these guys sit up and go, you know what? I think today's the day that I'm going to cheat on my wife. It's a path. It's step by step by step down a path. And we have to understand that that's really what sin is. It's not just, sin is not just an isolated event that takes place in a moment. It's a path. It's not just sin. It's a path. Like, it's not just pictures that you're looking at. It's a path. It's not just a party that you may or may not remember the next day. It's a path. It's not just people, like you hanging around with people that you shouldn't be. It's not just people. It's a path. It's a step down a path in the wrong direction. Each and every sin that we commit is a step down that path. See, no one just wakes up one day and decides, you know what, today is the day that I send my life into a downward spiral. No one does that. See, the, and, and the thing that we need to understand if we're looking at this story is that the path, really, like, it always starts the same way. This, this really always starts the same way. Uh, the way that this often starts is by looking at what you have and thinking to yourself, you know what, this is not enough. You look at your own life and you think to yourself, this is not enough. Like, my life would be better if I had fill in the blank. If I had, in, in this story, it's more money. Like the prodigal son, he looks at his life and he's like, man, if I had more money, my life would be awesome. And so he does any, he, he gets money by any means necessary, goes to his father, says, dad, I want my inheritance now. And we see what ultimately chasing after that thing, walking down that path, we see what it brought him to. What is it for you? My life would look better if I had fill in the blank. What is it for you? Is it, man, my life would look better if I had money? Is it my life would look better if I had some real friends? Is it life would look better for me if I had some sort of an outlet, some way to cope? Like, what is it for you? See, what's taking place in that moment when you ask that question is the enemy is coming to you and he's whispering a lie in your ear. A lot of times the way that he does this is he gets you to look at other people and he gets you to look at their life and the things that they're doing. Probably not things that are honoring to the Lord. And he gets you to look at their life and he gets you to say, you know what? Their life looks awesome. It actually looks better than mine, and it's because they have this. So what the enemy does is he always starts by getting you to just look down the path. And it's a crafty move because he knows that we go where we look. And so if he, he starts by getting you to direct your eyes to that path, to look down that path, and what's going to happen, kind of the next big step that always takes place, same thing that we see here in this story, is that it always starts with a small step. It always starts with a small step. See, if the enemy can get you to look down the path, then what happens next is you take a step down the path without realizing that this path is really slippery, without realizing that this path is really dangerous, that it leads to some, some, some places that you do not want to end up. I, I heard this statement one time that I, it's really simple, but it's really genius. It says, if you don't want to fall, don't walk in slippery places. 
Every sin that we, that we commit is a step down a really slippery path. And every step that we take is harder and harder and harder to retrace. So every step that we take down this path, it, it makes it so much harder to get back to where we once were. So the enemy, he ultimately, he wants to first get us to look down the path. But once we look down the path, he wants to get us to just take a small step down the path. He'll, he'll lie to you. He'll, he'll make you say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just this once. Just this once. I'm, I'm just going to do this one time. It's, it's going to be something that I do and never do again. Just this once. All it takes is a step. But it's a really slippery path. One that every step that you take is harder and harder to retrace. I, I've been to a place in my life where... Um, I was asking myself that same question. How did I get here? I've told you guys like bits and pieces of my story before, um, and I don't have time to get into the whole thing tonight, but the enemy really like came after me in high school. I was already a believer, and I saw this path, like th this principle that I'm, that I'm sharing with you now, I saw this take place in my own life. Um, so I did two years, freshman and sophomore year at one high school, and then my parents pulled me from that high school and sent me to another high school because apparently they had a better baseball program. And um, I go to this high, new high school looking for a better baseball program, and um, man, the thing that the enemy like brought to my mind, my life would be better if I had, was like some real friends. I just had a bunch of surface level friends. And I, you know, I'm, basically the enemy comes and says, hey, life would be better for you if you had some some real friends, gets me to look down that path. Now, that's not a bad thing, wanting real friends. But what, what can become dangerous is the way that you pursue it. See, I was ready to pursue that, uh, those friends by any means necessary, so much to the point that basically, uh, you know, one day I'm walking through the parking lot and some of my friends on my baseball team, um, they're, you know, smoking weed before school. And so the step down the path for me, real simple, just this once, I'm going to try it. I'm going to hang out with them because I need some real friends, right? And so that began this downward spiral down this really slippery path. Uh, all sorts of places and things that, uh, man, I, I never thought that I would do, kind of culminating in this one moment. Like I remember coming off of a, a high, laying in my bedroom floor, like how in the world did I get here? Like there were times like I would show up in church high. Like, I, I mean, my life was in a place that I never in a million years thought that I could get. How did I get here? It's a path. Little by little, it's, it's slippery. It's hard to retrace your steps. And that's what it was for me. I mean, but what is it for you? How did I get here? But how do I get back? Those were the questions in my head in that moment, laying on my bedroom floor. How did I get here? But how do I get back? The good news is, question number two is really simple. It's so much more simple uh, than you would ever guess. Yes, it, I, I just said it's a really slippery path. It's a really dangerous path. But if, no matter how far down that path you found yourself, how do I get back is the most simple answer that you could ever hear. And I'd like to share a little bit about that answer with you tonight. How do I get back? Well, the good news is this. We look at this story, and what we see is the most simple response of the prodigal son. All he does is he stands up, and he goes to his father. 
he stands up and goes to his father, which tells us this, that the good news is, if you're in a place where you're like, how in the world did I get here and how do I get back? The good news is that it is, it is way simpler than you would think. See, you don't have to work your way back. You don't have to earn your way back. You don't have to like do enough good things to even the scales. Like you have a father that wants you now, just as you are. And, and you're coming back. It is not, this is, this is incredible news. It is not dependent on you. It is all dependent on your father. And the good news is that he has never once, and he won't start with you. He, he has never once not welcomed someone with compassion and open arms, just like we see in this story. It's not happened once. So, so how, how do you do that? How do you stand up and go back? How do you, just like this son does, how, how do you stand up and go back to your father? Well, the first step is this. It's really simple. The first step is to recognize your need for a savior. It's to recognize the fact that without Jesus, like you are empty. And I don't know how far you guys have gotten down that road before, but I know this, that if you've made it any distance down that road, you know that to be true. Like if you've gotten to a place where you're like, man, how in the world did I get here? You know that whatever those things that you are chasing are, that there's nothing but emptiness and brokenness at the end of that path. Like I have experienced it firsthand. I, I, I can share stories with you. I'm telling you, like I, I've, I've been there. And if you've been there, you know that to be true as well. There is nothing but emptiness at the end of that path. But the good news is that that each of us only all we have to do is recognize that we have a deep need for a savior like like no matter how many things we try to put in that place in our heart that is meant for jesus we will find each and every time that those things will not satisfy and so the first step is to just recognize your need for a savior and then the next thing is the most simple thing of all it's to get up and go to him and the most common, like, uh, excuses for why you can't do that are this. Man, there is no way that I can go back to Jesus with what I have done. Like, yeah, okay, that's what it was for you, but like, man, I'm way worse off than you. Okay. Uh, common excuse number two would be, oh, if, if I go to Jesus, he'll punish me. Like, because of all the things that I've done, like, he's going to punish me before I can come back to him. And, and number three, most common thing uh, that people say is, I got to get clean first. Like I want to, I will, but not now. I got to get clean first. Here is the thing. When you come back to Jesus, the only response that you will ever receive is one of compassion and open arms. Those things might sound good, but they're just not true. Like Jesus is clear through this story, when sinners come back to him, when, you're, when you find yourself in a place, you're like, man, how in the world did I get here? He, he has never not allowed someone to come back to him. And if you make that decision tonight to come back to him, what you'll find is a father that is waiting for you with open arms, ready to receive you. He, he was for me. And it's the greatest decision that I could have ever made. And so tonight, my, my big question to you is this. Do you need to come back to Jesus? It's way simpler than you would think. Recognize your need for a Savior. Get up and go to Him, which literally just means place your trust in Him. Believe that what He did when He died on the cross, that that counted for you. And the Bible says if you do that, then you'll be saved. Let me invite everybody to stand. 
Our worship team's gonna lead us. And I want you to consider that as we sing. I want you to consider that question. Do you need to come back to Jesus tonight? Maybe tonight for you, like you have a relationship with Jesus, but you've wandered and you've wandered far. Maybe tonight you've been running. Like, like you have done everything that you can to, to get as far away from Jesus as possible because you know that he's calling you. Or maybe tonight you're in this place where you're like, man, I cannot, I don't know how I got here. Coming back is simple. And the story of the prodigal son makes that so clear. So let me pray for us. I want us to think about that as we sing this next song. I'll be down front here off to the side. If you guys would like to have a conversation about really like, what does that look like to come back to Jesus? I'd love to talk to you about it. I'll be down front here off to the side. My mic will be off and I'd love to have a conversation with you. Let me pray and then we'll worship together. Father, we love you. And God, thank you for this story, this truth that coming back to you is simple. It's way more simple than we give it credit for, Lord. We, we are factories of fresh resistances to your love. And, and Lord, I pray that we would recognize the truth tonight, uh, that there is nothing that can separate us from you, that, that we can literally come to you covered in the thing that separates us from you, just like we see in this story. And Lord, I pray that that would be true of these students tonight, that if there's anybody who has drifted too far, um, God, that you would remind them tonight that they are not too far to come back to you. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.